0: Like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Listening to live on four legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring. This is
1: Fucking camera in a drum.
0: Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me L, you can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me, why don't you? Guten Tag, everybody now. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And if you couldn't tell by my introduction, yes, we're doing a show from Germany today. We haven't done a European show in a while, so you kind of have to draw into the customary dialect. So why the hell not? But this is interesting because we haven't really done a Germany show in a while. I think it's been over a year. We're going to talk about it a little bit today. Like Berlin is a really hot spot. For Pearl Jam shows and kind of a sneaky great Pearl Jam City and today we're doing the 2009 show that happened in an interesting time there it was like they were in Europe they only did a certain amount of shows so you had to be in the right place right time and uh, this is actually a patreon request which we'll get to in just a second but let's uh introduce the show properly Randy sobel over here John Ferrar over
1: there hello, hello
0: hey how you feeling about
1: this one Good. I mean, I I, I 100 percent second what you said about Berlin, like just tons of great shows going back to the early 90s, the mid 90s. You know, that 96 one stands out being the radio broadcast, the 2010 one, you know, just a year after this, basically known for that performance of black, which is just one of the best performances of black of all time. And like, yeah, this one's this one's up there on paper. It's good. And we'll get into it. And uh, a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah, this is a venue that Pearl Jam played from very, very early on. I think they were right. doing a festival date. And he mentions it in the show, which I didn't know that they had played with Bad Religion in 1992, which would make sense as to how Ed got hooked up with them to do something off recipe for Hate. Sure, sure. So yeah, that happened in 1992, a little bit before Lollapalooza when they were out in Europe, but like, probably days before Pink Pop or after Pink Pop. And then they would go on to play it five more times, including this one. And the last time they played in Berlin, it, it's funny because it, it, there's two massive outdoor venues and this Woolhide, which is where this one's at, is one of them. And the, the one that they played, Last time they played there in 2018, I think a lot of you might remember the visuals from that show in Porch where everybody's throwing up and the cup trays and everything. Like, a fantastic, fantastic visual. Also a really sneaky good show if anybody's looking for something from that era to listen to. That venue is uh, Walbune, I believe. And I, th- I thought it was interesting <laughs> that they decided to change up venues after being in this reliable amazing scene for so long like this is a pretty famous venue in berlin
1: yeah you know we normally think of like them playing these soccer stadiums there and these old arenas in italy and things like that but i was kind of surprised like the show starts in the daylight so you can see a lot of what's going on like i don't know if i never clicked with me but like this i never realized that this is like a full outdoor like venue It's, it's it sounds like it'd be a really great place to see them
0: Yeah, and actually, kind of off of that, uh, it was apparently very, very hot that day. And the only way that I know that is (laughs) from, well, looking into the crowd on the YouTube video, of course. But uh, this is a Patreon-requested episode, and this is requested by our our longtime patron, Vanessa Osmus. Thank you very much, Vanessa. Didn't get to connect with Vanessa too much about this, so I I just kind of messaged her back and forth, which it led to almost an accidental moment where I'm like, oh no, did did you request the wrong show? Because now I, I, this is not, I, I don't want to come off as embarrassing her at all. I really don't because I, I think that I'm going to get to a point in just a second. But she mentions to me, she's like, oh yeah, that, that's a great show. Present tense was the moment that I knew I was going to marry my husband. I'm like, wait a minute, they didn't play present tense at this show. Are you sure you requested the right show? And she said that was Berlin in 2006. So she was at both. She's, you know, uh, she's American. She's a New Yorker. And she was, at, she was at both of these shows, but she got her years mixed up. She does remember this show, and, and, and she kind of told me, she's like, this is the one where they played Angie, the piece of Angie. said, yeah. I think what's kind of sneaky great about this is that there are people all over the place that I'm sure can tune in And listen to one of these shows and listen to not just like the podcast wise, but like just the bootlegs. And maybe they've gone to, you know, 40 or maybe they've gone to over 100. And and there are some shows where they just can't put their memory together. They can't recall it. And it just kind of after a while, it all kind of blends together. And I know that she had been to a lot and that happens you know you go you go to these shows for a long time and you just sort of be like where where's where does the time go and that's one of the things that i love about what we do is that we're able to bring these memories back and hopefully in what we're doing today we'll be able to put her back in 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 the seat in berlin there that's that's my hope with this i kind of see it as Say in like 20 years where the Pearl Jam fans, and this is in fantasy world, like there's a Pearl Jam retirement community, so to speak. And you have all these Pearl Jam fans who are aging and they're losing their memory and they can't remember which show that they've been to. And I'm sort of thinking that if in this fantasy universe, the reality of what we're doing can help keep these alive like that's super important to both of us and i just wanted to put that out as to why it it's just a pleasure to be doing these requests for people
1: absolutely yeah and you when you started the show with matt you guys talked about that about like preserving memories and giving people a chance to go back and kind of relive these shows, and yeah, that's that's one thing that I've you know really tried to hit on to since I've been with you. And yeah, it's just just appreciating you know every single show. We sometimes come on, you know, we kind of joke about our ratings, like you know don't take it too seriously, but every show's a ten for somebody. Like every Pearl Jam show is someone's favorite show. Every show is someone's first show. Every show is the last show that someone went to, and they that's the last one they remember. That's the last one they were left with. So that's the great part of this. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to go back and listening to, you know, some of the ones that I went to in, in a few years and, you know, kind of reliving those once I get a little further removed from. Them. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And, and you hear it from people all the time. Look, we, we've done things on social media recently that have been kind of polling people on what years, what sh- what shows they like from certain years. And, and that's all coming into fruition. There, there's a bigger plan with that. And that will all lead to... Some kind of episode, and, and, you know, in the coming months, a TBD on that. But it's leading to a lot of people just kind of jogging their memory, and whether it's what I've listened to before on boot, whether it's what I've been to. And there are people that have responded to us that have been to hundreds. There are people that responded to us to only been to a couple that had been waiting until we had posted, you know, the 2013 be like up. Oh, that was the first year that I went on tour with them. And, and this is now I can participate. This is what I remember. And, you know, I, I, I just always think that this is as much of a fan celebration as it is kind of a preservation of history. So anytime we get a show such as this where we have the opportunity to reintroduce it to people, because this is one that I had listened to a little bit in pieces on Sirius before, uh, I didn't realize this show kind of was as good as it was when listening to it. That I, like. I think that this is... And we can get into this in a little while, but I think that this is probably vastly underlooked.
1: I think so. I think a lot of people talk about that 2010 one, and you almost like forget there was one less than a year prior. That's a good
0: point, because yeah. we mentioned 2006, and they were in Berlin right. for 2006, same venue as, as they were for this one. They were in Berlin for 2012, they were in Berlin 2014, then 2018. So, that's all bunched together. This is always a city that they seem to hit whenever they're in Europe. So, it makes sense that things can get lost in the shuffle, and it's good that we can kind of take a piece of that and highlight it for the next hour and a half and... Put it into the spotlight, even though what this is we're in January and the show was an August show. It has no business being talked about right now, but good shows are good shows and they have business being talked about whenever we feel like talking
1: about them. So yeah. Pearl Jim's going to play there, God willing, in this, this summer as well. we well. so yep. There's going to be another one to talk about.
0: That's right, yep. So, look, I think we can jump right into it because that's basically what they do at this show. There's no slow start, there's no, you know, trying to get the crowd warmed up with a release or long road or something like that. Go out with why go to open this. beating the bass kick you off you see the crowd hopping up and down the hey chance jeff is in what i consider to be action figure stance where his leg behind the other kind of like posed as if a Jeff Ament action figure would be posed yeah absolutely it's a good start to this however it had some time where it needed to get going a little bit and i'm watching ed and i'm looking at him i'm like he doesn't look like he's too comfortable or he's just looking sluggish I I didn't know what was going on with him obviously it would all figure itself out but I thought that in the beginning the first couple songs he had not found sort of an energy or this is gonna be something that he brings up later He's looking out to the crowd and he's looking for things. He's looking specifically to make sure, because everybody is up for this right from the start. He's looking to make sure that there's safety precautions in mind.
1: Yeah, a place like this, that's going to be in the front of your mind. It almost, like, distracts him a little bit. And there there have been times we talked about where he's, you know, kind of lost track of the song or done whatever, been distracted. Like, that's perfectly fine. Like, yes, yeah, take care of the people in the front. But yeah, you know, you mentioned too at, at the beginning that like it's a hot show, and I thought you were going to talk about him in the shorts, which we don't hardly ever get. But uh, that—that's how I knew that, that that this was a little, a little bit of a scorcher. But yeah, the the crowd in front—you can tell, like, just people packed in like sardines in there.
0: Yeah, and from what I was able to gather on this, the venue holds about a little over thirteen thousand. GA section and then 15,000 in kind of a a seating or a bleacher type seating arrangement. So you're getting 30,000 people in there. That's a lot of heads. And it's all kind of pretty snug, it seems, you know, It, it didn't seem like there was a lot of room for comfortability there,
1: right? Alright,
0: so very early on, it's, it's interesting because you're going to go right into Hell Hell, and then you're going to go into The Fixer, which is into its fourth ever performance. Talk a little bit about 2009 here, and they are just starting to introduce these Backspacer songs to the world. Got Some, I believe, debuted on Conan O'Brien. I feel like The Fixer was introduced before Got Some, but not live what what i saw from the fixer was i just saw the crowd right away and especially like you're playing a brand new song to a huge crowd as the third one in and in some scenarios in some cities they might be like oh okay i haven't really marinated on this one yet the crowd is really up for fixer i was very surprised by that
1: yeah they are and this is one of those shows that's like it's kind of a lame duck album show where like they've released some singles but they haven't released the album yet so they're you're not going to get right. the, any of the like album tracks like you would a little bit later on but i think the album came out even not too not too long after a, m- a month like, later yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: september 21st i believe september yeah. 20th some 21st one of the dates right.
1: the fixer you really hear boom like on a piano yes sounding really prominent and it sounded pretty good and like a lot of the most anthemic pearl jam songs like didn't start out that way even like the early ones can you think of like alive which was not meant to be this huge anthem that it became even something like like why go a lot of those early songs it happened organically and you you can't force things like that and the thing that I always go back to on the fixer is like it's ju- it just feels a little forced. It was fine. I tried to look for something good and tried to look for something to hit on it and, and you know I, I didn't didn't hate it, but it, it just feels like it's it's forced and especially here early in the set with Wago and Hail Hail it's like they're trying to push it into that category and it, it never really stuck.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, but also from the aspect of like watching Ed in the first two, a little hesitant, and then watching him in Fixer, he seems pretty ready to go, and he seems like, okay, the smile's on, and he's actually kind of excited to introduce a new song to this crowd. So that part is good to see, but yeah, it's not a bad or a good thing that it's here. I think like maybe even later in the set, it could get lost a little bit, and we can kind of possibly talk about that when GotSum comes. But hey, it's giving the song its due and it's trying to figure out what it is. They, they don't know what it is yet. Right. If, it didn't end up being very anthemic, but for 2009, it was as close to anthemic as anything was on
1: Backspacer. At that and like, it, it just goes show it's only been played once since 2015. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you go.
0: Right. Uh, One other point about kind of the early songs here. Corduroy followed up on The Fixer, and this is something that is kind of an an ongoing theme throughout the night that it just threw me off just just watching, is that Ed is using an Epiphone instead of his, like, patented Strat. And it's just such an odd thing to me because it seems like it's so uncomfortable for him it it's just it's a big bulky guitar mm-hmm. and it's something that seems like so natural for stone cuz he'll he'll play bulky guitars like Les Paul and and Epiphone Uh, But for Ed, he's always using something like a strat, something very light, something very thin, something that you can strum really hard off of. And I'm wondering in this era, if he was just trying to experiment with a new sound and maybe kind of get off of that a little bit, which I I think maybe he said, well, what works, what works, and and went back to to the strat for normal occasions. But it's most of these songs that he's playing, He's playing this
1: epiphone. Yeah, it is weird. And we've kind of talked about that, you know, different eras, especially, you know, Stone will go through tours and eras where he'll get really attached to, like, an acoustic. And we've talked about, you know, there'll be this era of black, you know, really has an acoustic feel, or this era of even flow sounds different on this different guitar. But it's weird because I wonder if he's, you know, because we see Stone on an acoustic later on in this. I wonder if they were just trying to layer some sounds differently you know maybe they had just come off recording a new album and he maybe liked the way it sounded maybe used it in the studio and was like hey you know I want to bring this out on tour and see how it sounds but yeah it it is awkward for him because he's not like a. and again this is going to sound like a slight but it's totally not he's not like a nuanced fluid guitar player like he's his guitar playing is good because it's hard and he strums fast and he puts a lot of passion and effort into it. And that's the way he plays. And this guitar doesn't seem like it's a match for that. Like you kind of have to, the strat seems more of like a match for him. So yeah, I agree. It's a little, it comes off a little awkward.
0: Odd, but interesting, for the time period, and something that we don't really harp on too much is is what and and how they play. But one of the things for Corduroy, look, I i think it was a little forced and a little hesitant at first until the ball was able to drop on it, and you're able to kind of build the tension, and you see all the hands in the crowd all clapping and everything, and and getting that major energy boost in that moment as Matt kind of takes over and Mike kind of takes over. Uh, you know, I, th- I think up until that moment it was it was a little odd, but. When is the crowd not going to take over on corner, okay. right? When are they not going to you, be prepared and ready for it?
1: You mentioned the the crowd. Did you see there's a moment where they're kind of panning across everyone's hands up in the air and someone holds up like a full pitcher of beer? I did hand. not and I'm see like, pitcher of beer. And I'm like, oh, we're in Germany. That's right. That was <laughs> that kind of like kickstarted in my head. Like, oh, OK, that's right. We're, we're watching a show in Germany.
0: Well, it's August, so it's basically Oktoberfest over
1: there. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's how it starts. So, yeah, very, very cool. So, Ed, look, I don't know how fluent you are in German. I am zero percent. Yeah, same. And I'm sure it's not much because he struggles to speak German. So it's probably just like, thank you for inviting us to this place kind of stuff. I didn't get any translation, but yeah, it basically says in English that this place looks very beautiful, but not me because I'm pretty ugly, then gets a little bit of German and goes into I Am Mine. Coming off of this conversation with the Epiphone and sort of layering sounds, like you said, I think I Am Mine where Ed kind of had a history of being very strummy on it and kind of getting into just sort of almost like figuring out a way to make it a punk rock song in aspects. Like this felt like when he's strumming it, it, it's a little bit clean. It's it's cleaner than usual. He's playing it kind of a little bit lighter. And I don't know if that's sort of a a dad-Ed era kind of transition, but it felt like this version didn't quite have the early riot act feel to it
1: every time we've we've done a 2003 show lately i am mine's been a really good highlight because he's playing real hard and he's strumming hard and he's he's adding a lot you know he adds a lot to the build especially before the the solo the end where kind of puts his heart into it and you can kind of tell that like it's a moment like he's connecting with the song and to not get that I think makes a big difference. And like I said, it's got more of a cleaner tone, more of a lighter kind of, and you know, it, it is a waltz, it's in, it's in three, four. So it needs some of that hard edge to it to give it something and not make it sound like a waltz. I don't like it as much as the other way. I prefer like the, the harder edge version, but it's it's still, it's it's I am mine. It's it's, you know, it's not save you. So it, it can have it a little bit of a different feel to it
0: right at the end of I Am Mine, and we always kind of like bring up Mike solo and how, you know, maybe if it extends a little bit more, like just get that extra boost. But you know, this sounded really good. I don't feel like the tone was set with the first four songs. But I feel like right at the end of I Am Mine, Into Nothing As It Seems, you were setting the tone for the kind of songs that were going to be played. The very atmospheric stuff, the stuff that just Mike can absolutely soar with what he's doing, and and that's how he's going to approach this night. And we're going to see it with some big song, especially nothing as it seems which is i think the perfect song for the perfect moment and there's just some touchstone moments from this show that you can go back on and be like okay this is a turning point and nothing as it seems i feel like is the first big turning point from this show
1: yes and like they the show you know we're gonna get into it is full of deep deep cuts you know Binaural and Lost Dogs are tied for the two albums that get played the most here. It's that, that almost never happens. And you're getting song from every album. They cover every single album here, which, you know, for 2009 was, you know, it wasn't what we have now, but there, there's only been two since then. There were three technically, but yeah, they, it's, it felt like they, they went out of their way to make this a show for the fans in Berlin who, you know, they know are going to come birds. back and see them. <laughs> as Ed would say, they know these fans are going to show up. They know they've seen them over and over and over, and he's he's going to reward them with with a set list full of, of deep cuts, and not just deep cuts, but some really good deep cuts that we don't we don't get as often as we should.
0: Yeah, and you know these deep cuts, it's not like they go on a run of like five in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh even though like nothing as it seems untitled mfc god's dice all there kind of does seem in retrospect like oh okay You're like that's not very common but you know then they follow that up with even flow and then they go into some other like daughter in the middle somewhere like yep. Yep. Th- they're kind of spaced out where it's a sneaky good rarity show mm-hmm. and yeah. not yeah. like like you know in the encore. They're gonna play hard to imagine and you kind of think by that point when they're playing it you're you're saying to yourself, aren't we like m- moving forward from this but no like it's it's continuing that theme which is very interesting. and you're right on the money with binaural songs here. <laughs> just crazy to think that they played three binaural songs before they got their hands on it. a Versus song uh, that yeah. doesn't usually happen very often but uh, very good highlight in Nothing As It Seems I, I don't have to uh, explain that to you guys and the ending
1: especially yes it just really gets to a really good place at the end right it's
0: just and also I I don't think we should bury this at all but the sun is going down during the song so mm-hmm. it's cool to see it evolve as the song is kind of going on and, and it kind of getting darker and almost like the tension is sort of building and, and kind of uh, they're playing towards it too, which is very good, which I mean just more credit to them for knowing how to just do that and doing it on the fly.. us into as mentioned uh, untitled mfc and then would come god's dice we did mfc last week it didn't have untitled it was before they were doing untitled very shortly before but we did mention something with untitled that they didn't really have an extension to the back end of the song because untitled would be the extension in the beginning however And I think we should talk about Untitled first, but I'm going to finish that point in just a second. Untitled being the lead into this, like, I always love when they do a little bit of something different. They can kind of change the lyrics a little bit and maybe, like, extend it, make it a little bit longer, but that's what they do on this one.
1: Oh, yeah. He says, uh, you know, I've had enough of feeling alone, I think it is. Yeah. And he really... He really lets his voice go for it he really pushes it. I I love Untitled. I think I even I think I had it in my top 25 when we did that list. I I love every single version. I'm with I'm, this is the first one since 2006 for some reason. I I wish they would do it every single night. You don't have to pack no things. We make it up. as We go Go but I don't want to go alone. It sets the tone for a really good MFC, too. MFC builds off of this Untitled.
0: That's where last week kind of comes into play here. Hmm. Last week, I, I had mentioned I wanted a little bit of something extra at the end, like just continue, just keep it going a little bit. They had some momentum. And in this one, I'm like, okay, you got some momentum. What can you do for it? And listen to Matt. Matt picks up on that and says, yeah, damn right we have momentum. Matt starts kind of going double beating this and elevates it, and I'm like, shit, yes. This is exactly what I want out of this song. It was perfect. Like, I got got nothing else. It was an absolute perfect version of this song.
1: Well, I'm gonna make the alarm sound for the Stone Solo alert because, you know, whenever you you get these Yield songs, you're gonna get a Stone Solo and, oh. One, one of the best mfc solos i've ever heard
0: and really i think the solo is what leads to matt kind of feeling let's up the pace here let's yep. kind of yeah. work off what stone was doing and yeah it all worked together perfectly very good this one might be coming back i don't know there's a lot of great moments from this show but this one might be coming back in some capacity would not uh, be surprised uh, yeah and uh that god's dice following up like you know i didn't think that this was like the most pristine version of god's Di- like it was it had it's like clunky moments they end up landing the plane fine on it but from a binaural deep cut like you're just happy that it's yeah. able
1: to stick around you know yeah yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's great. Like, it's another one that should be played a lot more than it has. It's only been played, like, just over, what, 50 times or something? Just a handful more than that? That's insane. Like, this is such a great song. Like, it it deserves yeah. uh, a regular spot in that front set that they, they did for a long time. But we'll, you know, we'll have to see. But yeah, this one's fast. Like, I think it maybe threw them off a little bit because it's played very fast. But yeah, I love it. You know, give me a clunky all deep cut any day.
0: Ed, after that, addresses the crowd, asks if he can speak in English. Is everyone okay over there? And now he's addressing the folks in front. It looks good. Just remember to keep your footing on the fast ones. The ground's a bit soft out there. And then we get a three steps
1: back situation. You know, going back to what you said at the beginning about him being a little tentative and being a little wary, he even says, like, I was out there earlier walking around and I noticed that it was soft. So that's another reason I think he was watching at the beginning Mm because he had had experienced it firsthand.
0: Yeah. And I think that it goes back to how many uh, front men are going to do that, like check the surroundings and make sure it's like, that's not his job. To do that, but he seems to always put it in his hands and wants to know firsthand. Like he can, he can get that information from a roadie or from his security guards if he really wanted to. But yeah, he could and say, Ed, "Hey,
1: hey, go down there and check." Right, but Ed wants to know firsthand yeah. what's going on. So, yeah, and everybody knows why. We don't have to say it.
0: We don't have to say especially, it because,
1: especially in Europe,
0: and two thousand twenty-one. What did we see? Every yep. show that we had had a song that needed to be stopped in the middle of it so like this is a very it's still happening to this day so let's uh follow that up with even flow and there's a lot to break down with this i think this is another one of the like turning point moments from this show and it's interesting because a lot of the turning point moments even though there's like very rare songs that you don't get a lot of the turning point moments are songs like even flow and Daughter. that's just, those are the show stealers in this. And the way that even flow kinda breaks in, Mike is bringing something a little bit different within the verses.
1: There was an interview with him last year, a couple of years ago, where he was like, yeah on something like on even flow i'm i'm still trying to push myself i'm still trying to get better at it i'm still trying to find the perfect way to do it you know he's always trying to get better and doing it i think i think this you know especially this is early on in this tour and they're they're kind of starting a new era i think he's just kind of seeing what sticks and trying new things out and he's got that in his back pocket you know he's been doing this he's been playing this song for a long time he can play it Backwards and forwards, you know, ups, ups, upside down and right side up. So, yeah, I think he's just he's just pushing himself, trying to come up with with new things to see what see if he likes it and see if it works and see if it can bring the band up, see and if it can elevate the performance. Yeah, I thought it was good.
0: Now, it acknowledges the same thing that I'm. I acknowledge here, and he says good like Mike McCready within the lyrics of the song, and then obviously, kind of the next key moment from this is the way that he goes about the solo and in the same fashion as nothing as it seems, just sort of letting it ring out and just letting it go and opening it up and then once it's opened up, meltdown. Completely torch the stage. And you know, just go on his just rapid hammer ons in a groove. Let me just say this, because we mentioned Stone in MFC, Stone has a little bit of something different in there too.
1: Yeah, I was busy listening to Matt Cameron.
0: There's a lot of things about this version that's very good. I mean, Mike is in full obliteration mode while everybody else is kind of stepping up their game, you know, putting an extra mustard to it. Matt always seems to do it. Matt and Mike are congruent with the song, and hell, Jeff does it too. But like Stone is is bringing a different rhythm, you know. The, this is probably what a six minute like solo section is about, like five to six minutes long. What would you say?
1: Seven minutes.
0: Seven minutes. So you have yeah. a lot of room to work with. Probably four minutes of soloing. Yeah. Right. So you have you have a lot of room to work with here, where everybody's mixing in what they can do, and and Stone does something he is usually so dead on with that rhythm, keeping up with, with what Mike's doing, but then he just decides to do something different, and why the hell not? Make it sound good. And of course, at the end, Ed just kinda says, I don't need to do every anything. Everybody else did their job. I'm gonna let the crowd do my job. Starts chucking the microphone in the air and just tossing it around, and this is an amazing visual and an absolute show stealer from this whole entire show.
1: Yep, I was just gonna say showstopper. Yeah, it's funny how a song like this can still do that after nearly 30 years at this point.
0: Honestly, I think it's happening more often when we do these, like within every two to three even flows, there'll be one week I'll be like, all right, you know, that's the checkpoint of the main set. And then now you have a version where, okay, now I'm paying attention. Now I'm turning my head more often than not. That's how high
1: the bar is is set for this song. Yeah, there's a reason they always play it like, or nine times out of 10, they're gonna put it right in the middle of the set. It's the anchor. It brings the whole thing together. Like they know it's gonna be a big moment right in the middle that they can count on
0: right exactly and i think everybody counts on it too and i think it's also again like calling it a checkpoint almost like people can kind of hear that and they can be like okay here's where we are in the show everybody kind of knows how the show flow goes and once even flow hits they're like all right we're at like song number 10 we're getting x amount of songs left in this show x amount of time this is how much energy i need to
1: preserve Onwards and forwards. We talk about it all the time. The pre-even flow part of the set and the and the post-even flow, that's right. I mean you can first half, second half, that's how you that's how you break it down.
0: Right. How are you gonna follow up on that? Which is right here what we're what we're about to get into. So Ed says that's Mike McCready over there, that's Matt Cameron over there, which of course after even flow is pretty standard, and then and stone. So Ed was hearing the same things that I was hearing. The subs are working tonight, that's Jeff. And then everybody, of course, is going to follow and say, boom, he said, well, uh, boom is not in position. He thinks he was smoking something left over from Rotterdam. And the next one is about not having jobs in in the U.S. and then starts to kind of ramble a little bit before stopping himself and uh, that gets us into one of these little gems from this show that we we almost never talk about on our show from the avocado record unemployable that this version again we don't hear it a lot and when i have heard it i'm like okay it doesn't quite find its footing live it doesn't really have a lot of steam just kind of crowd doesn't really know what to do with it it felt like this version had some steam to it uh more more so than i've heard in any other version and look they've only played it 46 times so i out of the 46 i probably heard it you know at least a dozen And this one felt like they were taking momentum and continuing it into this song, especially a song that they really don't play very often, that they're not going to play much afterwards. They're escalating this to, to a pretty high level here as well.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been played since 2013. It's best when they kind of do their E Street Band impression, when they really kind of play it up. And you almost wish, like, the song had like a saxophone part if boom could learn the saxophone and do like the the clarence clemens thing on this because it's it's just a springsteen oh, you know, of course tribute but yeah i mean eds he can do that he, he that's his wheelhouse so when they really can like get a little bit you know grittier and and sound a little bit like the E street band in 1983 then then you know it's in a good spot but yeah not my favorite song you know take it or leave it that's it's not one i usually go back to but
0: i usually go back to either but i thought that this performance up the ante on it like (laughs) it just there there was punch to it and again like you're putting it after even flow and you're thinking like okay in for a down moment with this especially some of the songs that follow like those perk your ears up you're like okay i want to pay attention to these unemployable well, I guess they're just dead on for everything on this show. So I, yeah. I feel like you're going to follow that avocado song with another avocado song. Not a lot from that record at the show. Those are the only two with severed hand. And, and it's I think that's interesting because you always kind of see where they are with the last record, where they stand when a new record comes out. Like when um, <laughs> uh, now that why What are you laughing at?
1: Um, I'm laughing because I know what you're about to say. What am I about, about to say? Uh, about the, uh, the lack of Lightning Bolt songs that we got this past year. It shows too predictable.
0: I guess I don't need to move forward with that. Uh, <laughs> Sever- Severed Hand, just little things that you, you pay attention to in this. Ed has some moments here where he picks up the guitar in places where he doesn't usually pick up the guitar. And Ed, <laughs> in Severed Hand, picks it up to do the intro puts it down, kind of like the same thing you would do in Porch, and then picks it back up in the solo to kind of bring another sound to it when Mike is playing the solo, and it kind of speeds up a little bit there. Again, the crowd is just energized. You don't have to play major hits all in a row to contain this crowd. Like They are on the ball for everything, whether it's a deep cut or we're about to see in a minute or so, one of the biggest hits they have
1: yeah i mean it's it's berlin i mean like you you mentioned it's it's kind of a low-key great value it's it's one of the best you know one of the best crowds one of the best places they play you know if it you know we talk a lot about chicago and new york and seattle but berlin might be the place that's had the best shows over the years if you added them all up
0: sneaky good it's sneaky good and i I think it's just because nobody you know how americans are they're going to put weight on New York and Philadelphia and, the, and Chicago and those kind of places. Most of our requests come from those areas of the country. And we don't get a lot of Berlin requests. We would love more Berlin requests. What, hey, what have we Vanessa's done?
1: Vanessa's been to a couple. She's got the right idea.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like If, if anybody's in Vanessa's shoes, please you know send, drop us a line. But this is the right kind of show for this crowd. And even when you play this kind of set list... To a crowd in one of the other cities that we mentioned before, I don't know if they keep it up the same way that Berlin does. Maybe. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. Okay, Light Years is kind of back ending this little section of uncommon mid 2000s album songs here. My thought on Light Years here is that it just seemed like you don't really get versions of this song that are just like full drive. They usually have some kind of passionate tugging at your heartstrings, like a tinge of emotion to it. And Ed's vocals aren't really telling that story. It's more of along the lines of just getting through a song, like in a good way, getting through a song. But he's not going for a certain emotional mindset here but there are different things that happen the uh, intros extended <laughs> they kind of somewhere in the middle they missed the bridge but then they find the way onto it like Ed Mike and Jeff have a, have a moment during the bridge like there's some weird things that are going on in light years that you don't
1: usually hear Yeah I thought this was fantastic Did you really um, Okay oh yeah oh yeah I I think this is really good and I you know, I love kind of the, the 2000 version where the emotions are very high up and it's it's very loaded and heavy. And this one, again, is different from that. And I, the extended intro, I think, is very good. It reminds me a little bit, you know, of, of the Untitled NMFC where it's, he's just kind of taking that opening riff and just kind of stretching it out and playing with it a little bit. It felt like it had a little bit of a bounce to it, like you said, it, it rocked a little bit more than Light Years usually does, which I think doesn't do the song any harm at all. I think it's great. But yeah, you mentioned that that moment, you know, when you're watching this and you see once that bridge hits, you see Ed kind of turn around and and Jeff is there and Mike comes over and they have a little bit of a moment where they're all kind of together and just just going for it. And you see Stone off in the off to the side, like looking up at Matt and doing his thing, and you know it's it's good when Ed he has to just release this energy and he gets on at the end and just starts doing like the extra thing like the just adding that little bit of a vocal at the end it's very very good this is an upper tier like yours. it's not you know we've talked about Pink pop 2000 like the the best ever maybe some other very good ones this is this is up there
0: that's interesting because i usually don't i'm usually pretty organic with this song i like its original roots i like it you know staying kind of with that the melody and, and uh, having more of the emotional tie to it. So this this threw me a little bit, but... Uh, it, it almost
1: felt like, you know, I love the Puzzles and Games demo. It felt like this was was channeling a little bit. And I know not, they've obviously forgotten all about that by this point, but it felt like when it hit to that part where it's like where Puzzles and Games, the part comes in, it felt like almost a little bit of like the Given to Fly influence and stuff like that, where it, it was able to kind of hit that and soar a little bit, like what might have been, you know, had puzzles and games stayed on and become the song, you know.
0: following up a binaural track and and how many times are you going to say that or you're following up a binaural track with dot 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 you're going back to another hit song here and it's daughter and this is another one of these turning point moments in the show and i think most of these turning points either they're coming from mike or they're coming from the crowd or they're coming from both and just even at the beginning this doesn't happen all the time, but right at the beginning when you hear the hi-hat tips for the song, just it, it was just such a slight touch with it. But hearing Matt do that, I'm like, okay, that brings you back to like original album version of Daughter. And that feels good because you don't usually get that little element thrown in. But usually when you're thinking of Daughter, you think of that groove and you, you kind of think about how... It sort of builds and and kind of grows throughout the song. And while doing that, it doesn't have a lot of call and response moments during the song itself. And you don't see very often where Ed is just going to, right before the last chorus, say, all right, for you guys, you do it. And he does it here. I think he's just recognizing that this is one that they're clear on, that they're singing louder than ever. And he's building a new moment out of this song that you don't usually get. That's very good.
1: Yeah, the crowd is is what makes it special and coming off of all these deep cuts, you know, you had corduroy, then you had that run of I am mine, nothing is seems, MFC, God's dice, then you hit even flow. Then they go back to unemployable severed hand light years, and it's like you're getting these big hit songs, like you mentioned. But then you're you're dropping way down, and you're going way deep to like the hardcore fans, and it's almost like when after light years, especially, it's like when daughter hits, you almost feel the wave of like catharsis from the crowd. That's like, oh, like we we were waiting for this. Like, yeah, it just must be such a special thing to be on stage when that happens. Like for most bands you you never get that in your career and this Pearl Jam gets it four or five times a night where yeah. they just start the song and you feel this like push from the crowd and there's just like this anticipation of like 28, 30,000 people waiting to unload on you in a good way and yeah it just turns the performance into something really good and and ed's really good at channeling that and, and, mm. and taking it and like turning it and like letting it being that outlet for this crowd to like release that into something and he knows when to do these call and response things and when to, to challenge these crowds and yeah it, it turns into something really special
0: well you hit on challenging the crowd the moment where he challenges the crowd and it comes in the tag and the crowd is taking upon itself to do their own call and response which ed is like okay here's my response to that it's kind of like a here's how high i can get here's how loud i can get match what i can do and then ed is just like okay all applause to you guys and it's just an amazing moment when he stops to acknowledge them almost like i have nothing left in my arsenal you guys have just destroyed and and knocked everything down so i'm gonna just sing blitzkrieg bop because i know you guys will rip this apart as well so they do a little bit of hey ho let's go on this
1: he always has to do ramones when they go to germany
0: yeah of course yep yeah. and uh, yeah I, he goes down to the bottom he goes out in the crowd during this. It, it, I don't know if he dropped his wine bottle or handed it off. He seemed to like get it back at the end, but but he doesn't end the song on stage, which I didn't know what was happening in between. But Ed acknowledges the great singing and, and prompts the audience to sing on the next one, which has only been played five times, which happens to be some the only other backspacer song of this show. Usually, I am very anti gotsum however, I think that kind of gets overblown a little bit because anytime that we do talk about got some, it's kind of like in the middle of its comfort zone, where they're just like, alright, we got nothing left to prove with it. Let's just kind of make it this cheesy sort of thing. And uh, the most of the times that come to my mind are 2013, you know, the post-Backspacer song that is sticking around but it's in the encore sections, which are just not the right time in my eyes. However, here you're getting a band that's pretty pumped to play a brand new song and it feels like it has a purpose. It feels like there's some punch to it. Uh, there's some drive on it. And at this time, I, d- I didn't hate the song at this time. I was digging it at this time. And look, this is a Saturday show, I believe, because the show that I went to in Chicago would be a Monday. and That'd be nine days after this. And I was prepping... For everything for that show and, and listening to "Got Some and Fixer on repeat so I would be able to be ready for those songs when they came up in Chicago but yeah that's where they are with this one here they're just trying to impress the crowd with it
1: yeah just another one it's got that new shine energy on it and I remember you know watching it on Conan and really liking it and being like okay this is kind of a fun thing I'm excited for this record and it, it didn't quite work out that way but Early got some. It's fine. It's it's got some energy. It's it's got a little kick to it. Yeah, sounds good. You're going you're going right back into the deep cuts though.
0: Yeah, and Ed's gonna comment on that. Uh, yeah. The song being older than than that one. If you hear the crowd in the beginning of this, the reaction. It sounds like everybody legitimately has the same like whoa <laughs> kind of reaction. Like what glorify. It. We didn't think that this one was If you think that Glorify G is gonna be the rarest thing that's happening at the show, well, (laughs) wait around for one song and (laughs) you'll see that that, that's not the case. But I thought that this was a pretty fun version. Stone doing the backup vocals. It's an old song they never bring back. and, And sometimes it can be a total train wreck outside of the 1993 wheelhouse. And sometimes it's just fun, and they can get through it, and it works. And I thought there was nothing that could really go wrong on this night. And I thought that glorified G fits right into that.
1: Yeah, it's always I'm always kind of taken like aback when it shows up in the in the two thousands, because like, oh yeah, that that one.
0: Oh yeah, it's the most forgotten song off verses, and yeah. I, that that's looking at rats too. Like right. I right. I think maybe that's a little bit controversial opinion because i know a lot of people do like glorify g but look don't i don't listen to that song very often
1: yeah and it's been a while since we talked about it i think so
0: time. That's yeah. why if we're harping on... Uh, there's going to be the next one that we're going to probably right. spend a couple minutes on, too. That's why we're right. harping on a lot of these songs, because we don't have a lot of reps with them. Uh, glorified G, yeah. Right. I, I couldn't tell you the last time we covered Glorified G. That's why right. like hearing right. it feels a little bit more inspired than maybe the last
1: time I heard it. Well, there was a, there's a little bit of a dig at Dave A, too, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, was it necessary? <laughs>
1: i don't know maybe maybe.
0: but ed mentions that it was written by one of our old drummers even though he didn't know he was writing it (laughs) okay this next one is older than the last one and ed mentioned something here to take care of the women in the front and then literally you're transitioning it from this one into one of the oldest songs that they have 2009 is sort of the the revival Brothers. tour. Yeah, for Brother yeah. and the reason yeah. that is because the Redux that came out mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't have at least and maybe you can shine some light on this cuz I don't I actually don't know the answer to this. But when Lost Dogs came out and you guys heard Brother the instrumental version, did you know that there was a version that had lyrics to it? Yes. He, okay, that was circulated around
1: I think yeah, I think it was out there. I think you could find it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, all right. So, that wasn't a surprise to anybody in in 2009 when they released like The Evil Little Goat and the 2000 Mile Blues kind
1: of kind of tracks, right? right. And the uh, Evil Little Goat you had, had on the on the demo, it was out there. I think people knew. Okay, and we knew they we knew they had played it in 91, so it had to have lyrics.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's the Florentine Gardens version. Yeah. And that was, like, the only time that they did it back then, even though right. it's been played eight times, and six of them happened in 2009, so...
1: just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's just another weird happenstance thing that just happens with this band. And uh, dropped,
1: in, dropped in 2010. They obviously, like... Yeah. A lot of those at this show.
0: What means do they have to go back to it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough just sort of explain this because it's not a deep cut that people are like oh my god like brothers want it's not alone where people have like a good attachment to alone Mm -hmm. or like fatal or other side where people are like genuinely surprised yeah people are like appreciate these brothers is is sort of one of the lower spectrum deep cuts
1: again it it was another one where was like Oh yeah, like it's not like oh I remember this one. It's awesome. It's like oh yeah, I re- that's okay. They're gonna play that one. All right, cool,
0: All right. cool I guess. Cool, got this one. Got this song, and this is this is one they actually ended up playing at the Chicago show that I went to. That's right. So I'm thinking to myself, because I'm relatively, you know, fresh Pearl Jam fan at the time, I'm like, oh, this is something. That they probably do more often than not, or whatever I was thinking then. Like I, I don't maybe I thought it was it was it was a treat. Who who the hell knows? But uh, it was at least familiar in my head because of the redux that, that was out. Let's end the main set here. This is gonna be a big main set ender and another turning point moment. That's insignificance. It's gonna be in to do the evolution, but really the highlight Is absolutely insignificance. You just, it captures the way that you're ending this main set, which is just capturing a, a big stage, a big crowd show, you know, capturing a big moment. And insignificance, and it's funny that insignificance is the one to do this because you're thinking, yes, this main set is very binaural heavy. And insignificance being sort of the stamp on that and ending it in such a Like the song is splitting hairs, you know, everything that happens in it, like you're getting the same crowd reactions that you would get in the other songs. Like a crowd in the US, you might not get that for a deeper cut song. It builds a lot of tension and then you get the roller coaster drop when you kind of have that section in the middle and then they're able to just go off on it at the end. song was a fantastic display of taking a song that wouldn't usually be a big moment song and making it part of that big we talked about this and this has been high on my list lately we talked about this sh- song at the showbox show in 2002 and how everybody was hot, bouncing up and down to like you saw everybody in the crowd was moving you don't get to see exactly what the crowd is doing in this for this song but i envision that it's not much different for this
1: yeah, I, I agree. Insignificance really steps up here, and it really takes on a, a prominent place in the set, and it, it can handle it. You know, you look at a set on paper that doesn't have rearview mirror, that doesn't have a porch here, and you think, like, oh, this, how's this going to end? And, yeah, Insignificance is one of those songs that it could play a, a much more prominent role in a set if they let it, if there was room, but there's just there's almost just not room for it among these other you know, huge, big, you know, touchstone moment songs that they have. But here it kinda gets a chance to shine and gets a chance to be in this penultimate spot here in the set and get the spotlight a little bit. Oh yeah, it holds up great. This is a top notch performance in significance. Like you can hear just Stone and Mike together, just the way the guitars are playing. It's everything coming together. I really, really like this a lot. And especially you've had so many deep cuts in the show to get something like Insignificance and all these binaural songs. They didn't have to do this here. They could have easily thrown in a rearview mirror or a porch, but they chose to put this here. And I think it just shows that they know what they have in the song and they know they can go to it when they need it. Again, it's another one that should have been played twice as much as it has been.
0: I think what happens is once you get further away from the album, sure. and
1: you know, in
0: in cases it works the opposite, where you get further away from 10 and they'll play more of 10, but you get further away from Binaural, and it just seems to sort of fade out. And when Insignificance would come back, it's a little higher up in the set because you want to hold off this kind of moment for something more fun. You don't usually in the latter half of the 2010s, 2020s, get something seriously tense near the end. Like this show would have state of love and trust in to do the evolution. If this were in 2018, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just, yeah. it just doesn't have the same weight to it. I'm impressed by this. They're going to play it 23 more times after this version. I wouldn't have guessed that I would have guessed right. more like right. 11. So, and it also kind of gives do the evolution the moment to just relax you know, let the hair down a little bit, have fun. You go from one sort of on-your-seat kind of intense performance to, like, okay, now we can take a big breath. There's a sigh of, like, relief, and, like, there's joy into Do the Evolution. There's jumping up and down, and and there's a, a great stolen solo. It is wasted and in good form, and it's just a, a great way yeah. to leave this crowd wanting, a very, very good crowd wanting much more.
1: Yeah, I actually, you know, I would like Do the Evolution – Closing a main set. Uh, like, like you said, it's another chance for, for this crowd to to have a moment. Obviously, it's, you know, again, we we talked about this whole set is just hit, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut, hit, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut, hit, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut. And you're ending on a big, big hit song here with Evolution that the crowd's going to get into and, and give them a chance to get moving around. And yeah, it does the job. Uh, I think it's really good. And especially
0: that it's not going to be like a nine minute performance of a porch or something like that, that it's going to be something real short, real sweet that get you, in, you know out. isn't right. That isn't going to extend like you you kind of know how to preserve your energy. Yeah, I, I, good for this moment. Good closer for this type of set for sure. Okay, we're at the encore. Let's pause for station identification and talk about some things that are coming up over on Patreon and Liveinforlegs.com and possibly other places. But before we get into any of that, I want to send out two big thank yous to two brand new patrons, and that is Steven Lanza and Dan Straup. So thank you both. For joining on the Patreon train, we're just excited to have more people aboard that are that are mm, interested crazy. in the content. We heard from both of them, too. They happened to message us, and I can't remember if it's Dan or, or Steven, but one of them said that they joined up to Patreon after listening to our Missoula episode, which happened to be an episode that I wasn't even on. <laughs> so <laughs> I well, think it's great. Guys. Making yeah. impact when, when I'm not even there. Like that, <laughs> that, that that's great. I, I guess it shows the strength to the show. But yeah, awesome. It's just great to see more people just take an interest. And you guys take interest and we take interest. That that's just how this thing goes. Our Patreon exclusives we did like the VMAs 93 a couple weeks ago that's out there. And the plan is to do a crazy Mary evolution very soon. We're working on it. We're in the middle of it. Things kind of, they pause, they, they continue, they pause, they continue. And, and the evolutions are really hard because we want to make sure that we do them exactly right. And we don't miss anything. And crazy Mary, every single version is about eight to nine minutes long. So it takes much longer than the average evolution episode. So it's going to take, Maybe a couple more weeks before we get that out, but that is something that we're working on and we're working hard on right now. But yeah, if you are interested, look, our evolution list now kind of grown into 16 songs uh, from anything from Immortality to In My Tree to Given a Fly to River Mirror. And release, like all these songs, what we do is we break down the whole entire live evolution from where the song started to how it grew, to how the fans reacted to it, to some of the stories and to what it is today. And I think it's said from a lot of people that are, are very dedicated listeners their favorite thing that we do. And I think it's the favorite thing uh, that we do too, because it's kind of like a research project for us. Almost like, you know, when you're going into your master's and you, and you want to write kind of a thesis statement, that that's a equivalent to what our thesis statement would be. If that's kind of highbrowing it, then whoops, sorry, but that's just sort of how we feel about it. (laughs) Like I'm somebody with a bachelor's degree, like that's, that's all I got. So if this is the research that I got to show for the rest of my life, then sure. What the hell, you know, it's on, it's on record. So I guess, I guess that's fine. But if you want to, Listen to those episodes. They're all over on our Patreon platform, patreon.com slash live on four legs. You can download the Patreon app and search for live on four legs, or you can actually go to our website, live on four legs.com, the concertpedia and go anywhere on the website and you can pretty much see a little sidebar that says become a patron and all you got to do is sign up there and you can actually listen to the content and probably find the content much easier on live you can sign in right there and listen to the patreon content while you're surfing the, the website so just cool stuff, and, and hopefully more of that will come, but something that is sort of a side project, I suppose, uh, the the Brad or the Wellwater conspiracy of Live on Four Legs. I, I suppose I, I, I'm getting into doing YouTube stuff now. We haven't really promoted our YouTube channel at all because it's just kind of rehashing the podcast and, and putting what is usually on Apple and Spotify and wherever else, onto YouTube and and there's no actual video there, but there isn't much and I have this webcam that I wanna put into good use, so I'm gonna try doing some stuff. It's gonna take it not very seriously. I'm gonna put not a lot of effort into it, but, Maybe somebody somewhere will think it's interesting. So just make sure that if you're interested in that sort of stuff, just look for the Live on Four Legs YouTube channel. I, th- I think that's all you gotta look. Just search for Live on Four Legs. There's nobody else called Live on Four Legs. So that's that's all you gotta do.
1: Yep. And again, keep, keep checking that website, LiveonFourLegs.com. We'll have our 2014, the rest of our 2014 concert preview reviews up soon, and then we'll uh, we'll start working on 2013.
0: A lot to do. Much to be done, but back to The Rock. Got to finish this show first. Before we continue, let's take a breath. Well, that's already what we did, but that's Ed speaking, not me. Thanks so much for this response and the exception. Like I mentioned early in the show, that we played here with Bad Religion in 93, which I didn't think was right, which I was correct about. It was 1992. And Bad Religion, they're still good, but religion is still bad. We didn't practice this, but right before we went on, we decided we would try this one anyway. And this one is B-Girl. It's another lost dog. It's another that we haven't talked about in ages. And it's also another that I never have much more to say than it's a nice little performance and it's a nice moment where Jeff can play acoustic and sit next mm-hmm. to Ed and, and it's a different vibe on stage. It's two and a half minutes long. It's not a sing along by any means. It's not like a crowd participation song, but it's nice and it gets you into the next thing.
1: Yeah, it's just a just a fun little thing. Like it's just a throwaway almost improv that they never thought was gonna turn in anything from that rockline show. And to see it kind of have this life after that has got to be just so weird for them and it's just something, yeah, like, like you mentioned, Jeff gets to really concentrate and, and try to not fuck up the, on the acoustic guitar, you know, not an instrument that he's used to playing, so a lot of times you'll see a, a Just Breathe here, you, you would see that not there yet. A month a month later. Or like you know, footsteps or something, where it's something a little with a little more weight to it. But this isn't that kind of show. So I think yeah, it fits. Does the job gets you right into uh, gets you right into the next one.
0: It's a deep cut show that's going to have a song that is played only for the tenth time. And think about in the next twelve years, they would play it fifteen more times. Right. So it's one, started. right it's one that's more on their radar. So especially I've in seen it like, twice <laughs> I've seen it. I've yeah. technically seen it once, but it doesn't count as a stat because they were sound checking it mm-hmm. at Wrigley and I was able to hear it. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be much different than that, but I True. can't put it on the stats. Nope, so nope. that's getting you into better man. It has the crowd taken on better man. And I had a thought on this cause I thought it was very, very interesting listening to the crowd compared to the crowd that you get in the u.s you can specifically hear all the individual european accents in this crowd <laughs> like it's,
1: it's you <laughs> someone had a polish flag there's, I, yes there's there's yeah you could um, there French, was a mexican german flag out italian there too. yeah this is it's another thing you do talk, you talked about the big moment during even flow and, and during daughter this is just a continuation of that i think he knows now what this crowd can do and he, from the very beginning he's like all right go for it
0: more importantly than that it's got the strat out now we're back to normal like this feels this Order feels like normal Ed.
1: yeah
0: <laughs> exactly and maybe Ed was just kind of feeling you know I have been drinking I don't feel like carrying that thing around that 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 sure. lug that freaking Epiphone with that weird number five like that always got like what's the five for? it reminds me of the Lenny Kravitz album mm. just, yeah okay. Lenny Kravitz had an album called five mm. I don't know how I really remember that but yeah I just remember that a number five on the cover. It's probably his most or second most popular album. I don't know much about Lenny Kravitz, but I just know that he had an album called Five. But yeah, it does feel back to normal. I didn't consider this a show-stopping performance, but I could see your perspective on it being that. It didn't grab me like the others grabbed me. Maybe I expected a little bit more of it, but I think Better Man is one... That you really have to push to get your best version of it. You know, you really have to kind of go the distance with it. And I think that this kind of fit in right at the average bar.
1: It it, it hit the bar get, instead of raising the bar for Betterman. Is the average for Betterman is already very good, hundred um, percent. But yeah, I, I, that's the, that's probably
0: why I bring this up. It's just like you're you're so used to so many times them them exceeding that bar, but. If there was a bar, it would be this.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, you mentioned the guitar switch, and I think I had mentioned, I talked about earlier, you know, where Stone will go through these phases of playing acoustic, and he's got a pedal where he can, like, fake acoustic on his on his electric guitar, but this one, for Better Man, he actually does have the acoustic guitar. so I thought that was interesting, kind of giving it a different kind of layer of sound, and maybe that's why it didn't have the full, like, Kind of who triumphant sound that it normally has i thought boom's organs sounded great sounded really prominent up front added a little bit this is a little more maybe a little more textured and a layered version it didn't have maybe the the bombast like the the townsend windmills that it normally gets but still still very good i thought again anytime the crowd's gonna grab this thing and take it and he doesn't have to he doesn't have to offer it to them they're gonna take it that's always that's always really good Following that up, Ed speaks like
0: a four year old in German. I got nothing on that because I'm not even at a four year old stage in German. <laughs> and that gets you into Given a Fly. Good pace, good flow, starting to speed up at the time. But this version's still within the range of earlier versions, still within that. It didn't really have that accelerated movement yet. But however, Given a Fly is interesting because you're kind of taking some mid-tempo stuff and you're kind of going Better Man, given a Fly, which you think that given a Fly would kind of get you back into one of those fast songs, but they reverse direction here and they go to Hard to Imagine instead, which honestly, I, me- I think I mentioned this earlier, that it's a complete surprise because you think at this point within the encore that you're kind of done with the deep cuts. You're done with the rarities, but they, they're mm-hmm. just like, no, 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 no. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. And they pull out a version of Hard to Imagine. Is It's kind of like no other version that we've heard of this before. I don't know of any version that does anything on this and we did the evolution for this and somehow we missed this one. I don't know how.
1: Yeah. But well, I think we were focused on 2008 a lot, which is when you know the song came back and got played a lot you know almost Opener every night right. on that tour yeah opened up a lot of those shows and yeah this one it starts off a little awkward like it felt like they were a little bit rusty on it you know hadn't played it in about a calendar year but oh it who cares like it really really picks up and again boom on the piano i thought really added something to the to the beginning part it sounded very good and it it has almost like a stomp to it when it gets just, to that middle
0: part, yes, there. Yeah. Okay, so there is kind of like instead of letting that chord out like that, uh, nah, nah, usually that last chord is held out. Instead, it's kind of stopped. And, and and I thought that like that's what you're saying with that stop. They kind of stop yeah. that, and you're like, what is going on? Where are they going with this? And then midway through, Matt's kind of opening the, this up, driving the bass a little bit more ed puts the guitar on when do we see this in hard to imagine i don't remember ever seeing this happen in hard to imagine before
1: yeah yeah can't uh, think
0: the, the elements from boom the elements from mike and this version is just reworked in a, a way that we didn't pick up on when we did the evolution and, and i'm like so disappointed that we didn't capture that because there were only 37 versions of the song played. We should have been able to, to pick up on this, but like this is just a whirlwind. And even at the end, it kind of has its own little reprise. Like Stone is playing the beginning of the song back to the crowd while the crowd is clapping along with them. Like there are some really just moments that take you back in this. You're just like, what direction did they take this in?
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, this is another one that, that you got in Chicago Yeah, nine days later as an opener. Pretty normal. And it kind of went back to that 2008 version. Exactly that, right. Yeah. There was yeah. none of this. And then they wouldn't play it again until Berlin in 2012. So... Yeah, what are they strange, doing? <laughs> very strange, kind of how these things end up working out. It's like, I'd like to see one of those notebooks. He's got some interesting stuff, you know, tracking in these notebooks.
0: What I will say is... The 2005 shows, when they were doing Hard to Imagine in Canada, it was close to around the same spot, but it wasn't played like that. Like this is a very uncommon kind of spot to go Hard to Imagine yeah. into a live. Like yeah. that is that's left field right
1: there. That's that's, that's alternate universe. Or hard to Imagine is like the song off of Versus or something. Yeah.
0: hits, you're, you're kind of like, wow, I'm glad to kind of get something familiar back, something that feels like a, a, a natural Pearl Jam show back again, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, it had been 14 songs since you had something from 10 all the way back to Even Flow. Mm-hmm. and normally there's, there'll be, you know, we had Brother from the era, but normally there's that big one near the end of the main set that gives you that moment, but here we didn't have that. We didn't get a porch, and he didn't get a black, so... Yeah, live feels like come up for air, you know, come up and take a breath. It's like, OK, here we go. All right.
0: Fun version, Ed doing a look at us. We're all still alive, going out into the crowd a little bit, playing chicken with the mic stand and just kind of waiting for that moment where he can just smash it on the stage. Big And, and you know, that show in Chicago, they played it in the same spot, closing out the first encore. And when you hear it there and we talked about it last week, you're like, hmm. This opens up all the possibilities for what Encore 2 can be. So yep. let's just segue into that. Okay. So Encore 2 is going to start out where Ed is greeted to this crowd, sort of singing this droning sound. Kind of, it, it sounds like almost like the way that a college basketball crowd would sound when a guy's taking a free throw. <laughs> uh-huh. Sounds a little bit like That's that. Very
1: like sports stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm, maybe like a it, soccer like a, soccer a penalty thing, kick a
0: yeah something something pro- that's probably a, a more accurate description but ed kind of follows along in the same route that daughter was where he's kind of matching what they're doing and then he starts beginning to control the crowd like has this just sort
1: of hold over them and it's it's very it's odd and, and it's kind of cultish oh he could absolutely have a cult if he wanted one he, yeah. <laughs> i mean
0: he's not far off yeah he just doesn't he just doesn't really give in to his followers yeah, as much yeah. as most cult members do. But yeah, that was interesting. And Ed thanks them and says, We're figuring out how to plan for the next tour. A few years ago, they were supposed to play a show in Italy. You think of the two thousand and six I'm not sure if this was 2006, 2007, because 2007, they did a short run of European shows that kind of get pushed to the side and forgotten about. And they did a lot in Germany that year. Dusseldorf and uh, mm-hmm. there's one, there's like Abeck or something like, yeah. I I can't, can't remember. Newhouse and Neuhausen, Abec. And yeah.
1: festivals, yeah.
0: Right. And a lot of Germany, a little bit of Italy. And this mm. must have been 2000. No, and- no, no Italy in 2007. It, no. Okay, so. Well, when was this show supposed to be for? Two thousand six or two thousand seven?
1: I would think probably two thousand six, because it looks like two thousand seven was pretty jammed Europe. together. I don't think that was more like they did Portugal, Spain, Germany, Poland, Austria.
0: Well, if you're doing Portugal and Spain, Italy yeah. can kind of go with and, those. Then
1: Denmark, Netherlands, Belgium, like right. That doesn't make sense. Those yeah. don't make sense with yeah. Italy not a lot of space. Like these shows are pretty jammed in. You had a couple that were back to back. So I think it was probably 2006. Cause they did what? Five. Yeah. The, shows. Yeah.
0: The yeah. Imogen and Cornice shows, but yeah. also when you think about the Verona show and this makes sense, like the big storm came out of nowhere, destroyed the stage. Some people were injured that night. And Ed is mentioning one that's in recovery. Who's on the side stage. And I just have no recollection of this story. It seemed like it was a festival show, but the way that he makes it out to be, but I'm not sure what it is, but you think of Verona and Verona had a storm during that and they, they kind of played through it. I don't have a lot of information about this, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it was just something I, I knew I wanted to look it up before, going into this episode and, and uh, it just time kind of escaped me and and wasn't until now that I'm real, I am realized like oh fuck I should have gotten more information on it but yeah this is this is kind of like a mini incident here sadly enough here's the 2006 schedule Bologna on the 14th Verona on the 16th Milan on the 17th Torino on the 19th Pistoia on the twentieth, and then Prague on the twenty second. There's not a lot of room for 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 something yeah. There. Yeah. like that. Could potentially have been two thousand seven. Maybe could have opened that tour.
1: Looks like there was uh, fans injured in accident at Italian festival two thousand seven. There's a there was cancellation in Venice. In Venice, okay. Yeah, Pearl Jam's performance on June fifteenth two thousand seven at the Heineken Jam and Festival. In Milan, Italy was canceled due to a strong tornado that hit the park Wow, yeah, yeah uh,
0: two
1: thousand seven is not
0: like you mentioned it's just not a year anybody talks about, and yeah. this thing that you would consider kind of you know a, a mini tragedy is just forgotten about that's uh look, one of my goals for this year is to do something from that tour because it's just so weird and i think we we actually picked something from germany but maybe we'll get to that when when we get to 2007 but the way that they're kind of breaking into encore 2 is with a little rolling stones they're going to do this this angie intro into small town version of Small Town too. Ed starting out with Stone and then the rest of the band kicking in and the crowd getting invested once they kick kick in. And I think it's good for this kind of moment because everything that happens on the stage feels huge. And Small Town in this time period and a little bit later this time period can either go in this direction or can go in the opposite direction where it's especially at this part in the set where they can just say, fuck it, everybody have a good time. And... Not give it the weight of being in an important moment. They do that here.
1: Yeah, small town. The crowd is definitely loud. Like especially coming off of Betterman, coming off of Hard of Magic, coming off of Alive, I and mean, getting this little break. They are amped up and like even Angie like gets a like, like gets a really good crowd reaction, crowds up for it. And he adds in the little like oh it's been three years in Small Town, like going back to that 2006 show that Vanessa mentioned. Yeah, the thing that hit me is just again the crowd being very loud and very good on small town and it's i think it leads him to want to take the next request that we're going to get to
0: yes interesting we're going to play a request because it's the biggest fucking sign i've ever seen and i feel like i saw it on camera at one point but i didn't think it had any impact on what would happen later however it does and it's a nice Homage, I think uh, a little shout out to Randy Morgan with the story of the sign in Buffalo where he got to hold it up and had acknowledged it and played as such. And you get the same kind of thing here. And this is off the cuff. I'm glad that they have this song to be sort of on standby when they see it out in the crowd. Cause some songs they look at and they're like, oh no, we can't do that. But it seems like whenever they do see Faithful, they're able to say all right let's you know and i think there was a little bit in the beginning where they were trying to figure out the tempo but they get through it and and faithful listen to this stat it's been played in the encore twice first and second encore together played an encore one one time played an encore two one time this is the only time they've played in the second encore
1: so not not surprising
0: bring big flags if you want big songs to be played that's that's the lesson out of this
1: and again it, it fits in with this night like this is a show of deep cuts i think there's 12 songs out of the 28 or 29 that have been played less than 100 times that's the vic theater level of of rarity sure so this totally fits in and yeah you never never see this but it just just fits in and like they've already played a live you're you're not getting the black you're not getting the porch you're not getting the Rearview mirrors so break out faithful and. It, like I said, it's, oh, it's so good. The ending especially, I thought, where it felt like they really got a little more comfortable with it because this one's another one that hadn't been played in almost a full calendar year. Really good transition into the next song, too. Another rarity.
0: Yeah, Sonic Reducer, the way you're going to, you know, it's not bread and butter. It's, it's, it's something completely different. It's like English breakfast, I suppose. If they have a German sausage breakfast, maybe it's that. But Sonic Reducer is in the alive spot rocking in the free world than yellow Light better in their normal spots but it's a sonic producer getting the call up that that's a very cool kind of moment and ed singing up on the speakers during that breakdown he comes pretty close to slipping off that could have been a scary moment but they finish out the night very very strong and rocking in the free world when you think of the kind of crowd that's been there the whole entire night It's that kind of crowd, that house light crowd that the band is going to look at and see the remnants of what just happened throughout the last two and a half
1: hours. And it's a work of art. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of... You know, Vic Theater, this is the first Sonic Reducer since then, so a little book ending there. That's kind of sure. cool.
0: They didn't play a lot of shows, True. True. but I, um, I, I
1: get what you're saying. But yeah, I love Sonic Reducer, and I love when it shows up here as part of this, this last set. I think it's very cool. And yeah, you would think on a night like this where you get all of these rare songs and all of these deep cuts that you think Rockin' the Free World in the yellow lid better here is like it's gonna be a little awkward but of course it's not like that's not what they do they can break these out and make them sound however they want so there is a little moment in, in Rockin' the Free World where he gets kinder gentler Obama's hand little nod to what's going on over in the U.S. and kind of a new era which I thought was interesting. He always kind of throws those little moments in, but again, it's it's Stone on in the Free World. Just so good on that solo. And then Ledbetter, it's, it's, it's Berlin, it's Yellow Ledbetter. You know, they're, you're gonna send these people home happy. thought it was a very interesting and very unique encore too, but it works. I thought it was great.
0: Big shows get
1: big bows
0: as the crowd is serenading them in goodbyes and thank yous. Ed gives Mike a little we're not worthy bow. Yeah, as Mike is kind of playing the ending of Ledbetter and then the whole entire band gets right in front. It's a six-man bow. That's not every show. It's usually, it's a walk-off, it's a thank you, it's a we'll see you next time. But this is a we're so happy that you invited us here. Big moments that kind of ties together what is a pretty massive show, which has a lot of moments and is gonna be very interesting how we depict three of them. So I think you're up to go first on both accords in the rotation here. So I give it to you first.
1: My top three are hard to imagine. Number two would be Light Years. And number one is Untitled MFC. We said it would come back and it did.
0: Yeah, I, um, ooh, this is tough. I have a hard time not putting two binaural songs, especially because you didn't take them, in the top three. It's really difficult not to put Insignificance and Nothing As It Seems in here. So I'm going to do that. I'm probably going to say it doesn't matter which one is three or two. I'm going to probably say that Nothing As It Seems is three and Insignificance is two because that's just where I am with the songs right now. Number one is Daughter because of how intense that interaction was with the crowd. Interesting. That was a big feel moment, and I think that it should be recognized that Evenflow does deserve to be in the top moments of this, but it just misses... My cut at least. So and and since you mentioned hard to imagine, I dropped that from what potentially could have been in my three. You can still put it in if I put it in. It's, it's no, fine. I but it's like uh it's almost like it's a top six in a way. If you have
1: okay.
0: then then you kinda just make a top five and what kind of fun is that? You want more. So no. okay. Now we get to a rating. You're going first, I'm following you. I might have a lot of work to do.
1: You know, we talked a lot about their history in the city in 1992 and 1996 and 2000 and 2006 and, you know, to be continued later this year. And just a city that's full of riches of great Pearl Jam shows. And this was no exception. It's on paper. It looks like a weird, disjointed mess of deep cuts, but it works. It's anchored by some songs that do the job and they're up for it and the crowd's up for it. It's a great night. I'm giving this a 10.
0: Oh man, you're putting me
1: on touch, such a tough spot. Oh, f- just, just go with your gut, man. My gut wasn't 10, but
0: it was the wheelhouse. And the big moments that happen at this show in other shows don't hold this kind of weight. 10. It's not a perfect show by any means, but it's it's a 10. We it's, have our first. It's
1: upper upper echelon. I mean, the, the 1996 show, instant classic. 2010, a lot of people go back to that one. 2000, fantastic. But this one's got, for the people who chase those deep cuts and those rare songs, you've got that stuff here. And... For the people who want those big moments and the songs that they love and the songs that they listen to and grew up with, it's got that as well. Like That's why it it gets into that operational for me because a lot of shows, like a Vic Theater, only work on one of those aspects, but this one has both. So it's just a great listen. It's a great watch. It has some really, really good moments. And yeah, on a tour that's in an era that's kind of overlooked because, you know, even just by us, by because, you know, backspacers, you know, not something that we go back to often. But this one with this one was a pleasure and a joy. So, yeah, it's up there.
0: So Soldier Field, MSG 1998, the Berlin from 1996. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can kind of go on into a bunch that
1: Gorge, Gorge 95, Gorge Gorge 2005.
0: Yeah, the Gorge those didn't make the hall of fame but this is our first hall of fame nominee for
1: 2022 and that's like i'm i'm sorry, sorry. that berlin 1996 one, i gave a 10 you gave a 9.8 <laughs> you, you dick how dare you 9.8 uh, i'm going to have to you already said that to. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to <laughs> go back and work on that a little bit. Oh, that's that's brutal. I, uh,
0: yeah, I gave some weird rankings very early on. I think yeah, that, that was just a long in, time ago.
1: That was a long time ago.
0: That was in my phase, and I believe that was a three-person episode. Mm-hmm. That was in my phase of like I don't give anything ten, and if I give something a ten, I really feel like it's like the greatest show of all time kind of deal. And my standards have changed. But thank you, Vanessa. Vanessa, you have inducted a show into to Live on Four Legs Hall of Fame here and a show that, again, we weren't really sure if this was the correct one. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to point this out now that 2006 because I didn't quite mention it. But present tense at that show is when Jason proposed to you. Right in the middle of the song, oh, and uh, that's w- a wonderful moment. I can't wait until we do hit up that Berlin show that we can get to it and uh, and talk about it. So I-, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this opened up a lot of memories for you. And again, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, like sometimes this stuff just kind of passes you by over the years. And you go to so many of these that, you know, some of them you just all kind of meld together. But, yeah, I, I hope that, I hope you kind of jog your memory and, and we're able to enjoy this. So, and for anybody else that fits in the same boat, hopefully that happened for you as well. We're going to do another Patreon request next week. We're going to go to 2006 and do Cleveland, Ohio for 2006, not a show that I know too much about, but we had a couple of 2006 requests and this one is one that I kind of put in and this was one by Randy Cross. Hopefully, we get to hear her story next week. So, again, we love getting the episode requests from shows that we're not familiar with because then it opens up our arsenal for our listening
1: interests and everything like that. So, we're going to get MFC again next week. I can't wait.
0: Oh, thank goodness. It's something I always get sick of, right? No, (laughs) wrong. We didn't even mention any uh, gnawing today. Think about next week. I'll bring that back. It'll be tenfold if it's a good gnawing version next week. But like we've been doing for the beginning of January and we're going into February next week. And for part of February, we'll be doing this. We'll be hitting up more Patreon requests. Like we mentioned in the middle of the show, that's part of the Patreon package is that you get to request an episode for us to cover on the show and for anybody that is a patron right now that hasn't put in their episode request please get it into us so the quicker you get it into us then the time comes that we have an open spot we can potentially put it in there and that's what we're looking to do because we have some that are on hold we have a lot that we're trying to get in for 2022. We have a lot that we can't get in for 2022. So we don't want it to get to the point where you request it for 2022, and then we can't get it in in 2023. So let's make sure that everything, everybody has something in. So we're in the mindset of, okay, where can we make time for this? And now's the time. If if you want to request something, it might take That amount of time, because, you know, for somebody like Vanessa, she's probably been a patron for a little over a year, maybe even more. It it took all that time before she was able to get her request. And that's just how backed up we are with the shows that we want to do for these people and the shows that we feel responsible to do to highlight from the band. So, you know, we can only do really one a week. This stuff takes time. So, and we just thank everybody that has their requests in, that have, have requested stuff before, that... Look, we're just continuing to do these and and it's just been a lot of fun. And this has been a very interesting month of shows that we haven't really ever touched up on. And I hope that kind of continues into February as well. Actually kind of expecting it. So. Patreon.com slash Live and Four Legs if you want to be one of those people that request your favorite show for us to talk about on the show. And just make sure that you just go through our archive and make sure you're not getting excited about requesting something we've already done. Because it's happened before. And I hate going back to people and being like, ooh, sorry can't do that one or sorry it's a show that we're saving for a moment later because that happens too so all right i'm gonna say goodbye here but before we do thank you everybody for listening in hopefully we've done the show and this band enough justice to Get your rating on Apple or Spotify, a comment on Apple. If you guys can spot us five-star rating, it will help out with our visibility. It will get us to possibly be at the top of the page when you search for Pearl Jam on any of these entities. Thank you all for listening in. I got nothing left to say. This was a Hall of Fame show, so it's time for the spiel. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hopefully, we gave you the memories you deserve and a Hall of Fame show, at that matter. And can't wait. Maybe we get one next week. Never know. We'll see you then.
1: Back to back to back to back to back.